So I'm gonna get into it. Uh, I feel like the message is a bit of a lengthy one, but I'll try my best to go as fast as I can. But I'll try and follow the Spirit of God. So if we can turn to uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we're going to read all the way through to verse um, 31. If you dare, say amen. And it reads, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Um, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Praise God. So, Tonight, the title of my message is simply titled, Predestination. Predestination. So, let's just bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Jesus, God, for this privilege. God, to be part of the body of Christ and to be in this church. God, we just ask for your spirit, O oh God, as it's already present here today, Lord, to continue to move, O oh God, on our hearts, Lord Jesus. God, and to help us understand what your word is trying to say to us, Lord, and to receive what you are trying to say to us tonight. So we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The word predestinate, it's, um, it's a theological word which basically means um, to foreordain by divine decree or purpose um, in its simplest form it basically means uh, something or someone's fate decided from, ber uh, from birth or before they were even born um, a couple of weeks ago I was at a friend's house um, I'd say this was like last month and we were having some rehearsals for his wedding and um and you know, his brother and some of his friends were there, and so, um, and so, just out of the blue, his brother went ahead and asked this question, and he said uh, he wanted everyone to share what their understanding of predestination is. And um, my eyes started twitching. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I wanted to share what I my understanding was, but I just held my peace and let everyone go first. And so my friend's uh, fiance uh, went first, and she brought up this verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and it says, "For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end." And then she also read Jeremiah one five. It says, "Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee." And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So she uh, shared her understanding uh, 
of predestination based on these verses saying that um, you know God is going to take care of us he has things in place for us and we need to if we trust him God will look after us and and um, and so when I went home I just started looking a bit more deep in depth into these verses um, and so see when we read these two verses I know that they sound like they're closely related to predestination, but in fact, they really don't. I now want to walk with you through the scriptures and just to explore a bit of the differences. These verses talk about the goodness of God and His plans for our lives, His thoughts and His good intentions toward us. And He wants us to make it. These are not a guarantee for salvation. But they are simply letting us know that God would take good care of us if we allow Him to be God in our lives. If we believe that these verses coincide with predestination, then we have a major problem. Because these verses can be abused by people to live um, whichever way they wish to live. Some may say that since God has my life planned out, then I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And just live the way I want to live. That is dangerous. And I say this not to offend. But to remind us that scriptures say that. We cannot serve God and mammon. Joshua said choose who you will serve today. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. The Bible also lets us know what happens to a person. That gets delivered from demon possession. Uh, when they decide to go back into the world, they end up picking up more spirits than uh, they once had. If you want to read a bit more about that, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 to 45 lets us know that. There's never been a time like today where we need to be in the presence of God as often as we can. To be united and put our differences aside for the sake of the kingdom of God. When God does a cleansing, cleansing job in us, He normally has a plan about what He wants to do inside of us. Since this process is a lifetime process, we can get frustrated. Like that man, the scriptures say that he went places looking for dry places, looking for things to satisfy himself. He couldn't find anything, so he went back to the same uh, life that he once lived before. Praise God. You see, Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Satan's plan has always been to disconnect individuals from the body of Christ. And he does that through various reasons. It could be family, friends, work, and much more. The list is exhaustive. But God is mighty and powerful, and His blood always cleanses us. As long as we acknowledge that we, uh, when we fall the short of, uh, we short, we, when we fall short of the glory of God, God will always be there to pick us up and to help us. Praise God. John chapter ten, uh, verse ten to eleven says, "The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy." Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. 
And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. If we can leave life understanding who God is and that he is the only one that can help us to get there at the end and to allow him to have his way in our lives. This is what the Bible says about us if we could trust in God and his plan for our for our lives. Romans chapter 8 verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things are uh, no things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, my brother and I met uh, a friend um, um, he used to coach us when we were younger, when we uh, first came here. Uh, he used to be our coach um, in soccer and so on. And um, he was sharing about his experiences with God. And, and so as we listened, and he began talking about how he does not believe, um, um, does not believe in going to church. Uh, going to church is necessary. And that this body is the temple and so I, I, you know, I really started thinking about it, and um, I wanted to look it up myself, and you know, so that I don't just believe what he says. And so, so I went and read First Corinthians six nineteen, and it says, "What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own." For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, if you read the whole chapter, the Apostle Paul is not giving us an indication that we shouldn't go to church. But he is talking about taking care of this body. In fact, if you read, go a few chapters backwards and read 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17. He also says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, that uh, the and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Again, if you read the whole chapter, it begins by Paul addressing some issues in the church at Corinth. They were arguing about who is better, Paul or Apollos. The Apostle Paul lets them know that it doesn't matter who does what, on who is more important or who is less important, but it's for the glory of God. And the verses above, Paul is simply letting them know that if we don't take care of this, uh, take care of these bodies, it will affect um, uh, how they function within the body of Christ. So it's not giving us an excuse to not go to church, but it's simply saying, you guys need to sort out your attitudes because you are affecting what's happening in the body of Christ. Because they were arguing about who's better and causing divisions in the church. But Paul is saying, you guys need to get yourself right so that the church can be unified. For example, when you look at a car... You know, the engine of a car, each part of it is very important. If you remove one, the whole thing is going to fall apart. And so a car needs regular maintenance. And if, and uh, you know, where the oils and all the, I'm not a mechanic. My dad's a mechanic. Um, so I'm 
my knowledge is very terrible. But, you know, if within a car, when you look at a car, every part of it, everything within a car uh, has a purpose. And so it needs maintenance. And if anything, any part of it is not looked after, or if one part feels as though it's more important than the other part, then and removes itself, then it's not serving its purpose. But the good thing about God, if, if I felt like I was better and I was that good and so I didn't need to be here, God is good at replacing. He'll get rid of me and he'll raise up another person to do a much better job. So, um, so the scriptures are simply giving us um, a strong indication that we need to take care of our bodies, our minds, you know, and this temple, because if we look after it, then we can function properly in the body of Christ. Revelation 21, verse uh, 9 to 11. It says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven uh, vials full of the seven uh, last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And verse 10 says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, uh, descending out of heaven from God. And verse uh, 11 says, Having the glory of God in her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, um, clear as crystal. So these verses, uh, particularly verse 11, it's saying, Having the glory of God in her light was like unto a stone, most precious. So God is not expecting an individual in heaven but he's expecting his bride and that's what God is looking forward to and um, if you read Ephesians 5 verse 25 to 27 it says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church and Revelation 19 verse 7 to 9 talks about the marriage of the lamb and his bride the church Revelation 21 verse 2, um, John uh, has a vision of, you know, he's still in the vision. And he says, the holy city, the new Jerusalem prepared as a bride for a husband. And then if you read further, um, if you go to Ephesians 2 verse 18 to 22, it says, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built up upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the uh, building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit Praise God. These verses are self-explanatory. I am not um, I am not the body of Christ, but we are the body of Christ. Acts chapter 2 verse 47, it says that God added to the church daily. Romans 12 verse 5 says, We being many 
are one body in Christ and um, and everyone members of one another. First Corinthians three seventeen I read a little earlier. I talked a little about it. Um, but to be more precise, God deals with us accordingly. But Paul is saying that if I intentionally try to defile the temple of God, I would go a step further to say that if I try to sow discord among the brethren or the church, God would remove me because the church is precious to God. When Lucifer was thrown out of heaven, a third of uh, the angels in heaven were cast down with him. And, and there must have been a process for him to get all those angels on his side. You know, it's kind of like a campaign, you know, where you put, you know, if I want, you know, if I put myself up there, vote me next year for your youth leader. So I'll go around putting banners everywhere, billboards, you know, uh, you know, with a nice picture, whatever. It's a process. Handing out flyers and pamphlets and everything like that, community consultation, and all those things, it's a process. And so, the devil, I believe, he went through that process, and so he thought that, oh, I got enough uh, people behind me, so let me try and overthrow God. So today, there is a campaign going on too. God has evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets in this world today um, reaching out and preaching the gospel of, of God and, and, and trying to get people to become part of the body of Christ. You know, um, the, um, and the enemy as well. As well, he also has his people out there um, advertising about his kingdom and what he has to offer. And it's all through deception. The tricky part about all of this is that he has people that have dressed up and look like God's people, but they are there to mislead and deceive the saints of God. The scriptures let us know that hell. Uh, Proverbs 27, 20 says, Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of a man are never satisfied. You know, hell and destruction are never full. It's like an endless pit. You keep on falling. You never really get to the bottom. And the enemy does that, gets us through the eyes, uh, through the last of the eyes, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life. See, the devil's fate is already decided. You know, someone was kind enough to do a couple of days fast, saying I want him to be saved so all the misery in this world can end. But it's impossible. His fate is already decided. God has already uh, predestined him to, um, to that place uh, called hell. And um, you see... Some people believe that, you know, and, and I'll just, I'm going to try and explain a bit more about predestination. Some people believe that if you're born poor, you will always be poor. And if you're born rich, you will always be rich. And that's not true. And, uh, and, and so if you think about it, if you're born rich, you know, you have all the money in the world, inherit. You know, if I inherited my my mom and dad's wealth, which is basically nothing. But if I were, you know, we, you know, I could make mistakes, waste all that wealth, and end up 
being homeless, living on the street. And at the same time, if I were on the street, you know, I could, you know, the money I'm begging for, get enough, maybe like go do a course or something, get a forklift ticket, work in a warehouse, from a warehouse, make enough money, I go to TAFE, do a trade. From TAFE, I'll do a trade, get into university and build my way up and I could end up starting my own business and I become wealthy. So, you know, uh, one size doesn't fit all. And some may say that people will never change or get saved. Anything is possible with God. People need a chance to hear the true gospel message of Jesus Christ. Many people thought of the Apostle Paul and they were afraid of him. That guy, man, you see what he done to Christians? That guy can never be saved. Praise God, but you see what happened to Paul and the things that he did for God. In Acts chapter 13, verse 48, it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So if you read the context of that verse, you will find out that the Jews were not happy that the Gentiles were hearing, were getting um, hearing the word of God but when you read that verse simply explains to us that the Gentiles when they heard the word they realized wait a minute God's plan is for us to be part of the church so they believed that and they got saved and so with people that are not saved all they need to hear is the word of God explained to them and their ears and their understanding will be opened and they will come to the church of a living God. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I use the example of the rich and poor to let you know that God has not decided the future of individuals, but God has decided the future of the church. There is nothing that you and I can do in order to restore to, you know, that we, we can do to deserve God's mercy and salvation and His grace. But God Himself made a perfect sacrifice. He made a perfect way for us to be saved. Praise God. Praise God. The scriptures I read earlier, uh, Romans 8.28, if you read that, and he's saying, he's saying, and we know that all things work together for the one that loves God. No, it's saying for them that love God, referring to a group of people. If you go to, if you jump forward and go to verse 30, it says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, it's saying he... No, I didn't say. He said them. He also called, and whom he uh, whom he called them. He also justified, and whom he also justified them. He also glorified. And what shall we then say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? Praise God! And God is letting us know that no matter what happens, the bride of Christ will go to heaven. You and I can get out of the church. We can wander about. But the church is still here and it's destined for only one place. 
and 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 the gospels let us know the bible says that you know and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of a living god praise god so i'll use another example i like to use a lot of examples um so this is basically uh, if you don't understand this i guess you'll miss my whole message this is my explanation of what predestination is so Imagine there is two buses, and this is a, a, a bit of an example from Brother Woodward. Um, imagine two buses all driving in the same lane. There's one bus is called the church. It, uh, it has a sign on it says the church, and in front of it it says destination heaven. And then on this left lane, this is the devil's bus, very nice and colorful. And it says destination hell. So these two buses are all driving on two lanes. Now these two buses, they cannot cross over. They are strictly ordered to stay in each lane. This bus will stay in this lane. And this bus cannot cross over and go in this lane. And this bus, as we are the church in this bus. And those that are not saved in the other bus. You know. Sometimes this happens to all of us. We in this bus, we look over to the other bus, you know, the flashlights going on and wondering what's going on in there. I wish I could just pop over and check out what's going on because um, there's a lot of good things happening there, you know. They're partying and, you know, there's good careers, there's, you know, good opportunities, there's wealth and all those things. But then those people in the other bus, they're looking over in the other bus and saying, man, those people are so free. Those people, are, they, got, they just have so much hope. And they're not tied to anything. They're just so free and they can just do, and they can just live life without having any worries. And, and so that's, that's these two buses. And these buses are driving. At some point, in, at some point, somewhere down the road, this lane on the right side will start heading up. So this bus will start going up the hill. And this other bus is going to go down the hill. But for us, we have to understand that the Bible says, No man knows the hour or the time when the Son of Man shall return. And so if we are in this bus and we are wondering and contemplating whether we should check out the other bus... This is a warning from God. The Bible says tomorrow is not promised to you and me. We better dig our hills in the word of God and his promises. Because tomorrow is not promised to us if we stay on the bus. Because there comes a day when this bus will, arri will arrive its final destination. Praise God. And its final destination will be in heaven. And this other bus, praise God, while there's still time yet, and if you're not, if you've not been born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, I've come to remind you that there is still time. You can still get saved, and God is still in the business of saving souls. Today is the day of salvation. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you're in the other bus and wondering, how do I get in this bus? Well, 
John chapter 3 verse 5 says, Verily, verily I say unto thee, Except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, Ye must be born again. Praise God. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, for the forgiveness, for the cleansing, hallelujah, of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is to all men, is for to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Praise God. Today is the day of salvation. Praise God. Today is all we've got. I read Second Peter chapter two verse Second um, Peter chapter three verse nine. It says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, Lord, uh, that no man should perish, but should come to repentance." Praise God. There's another verse you can't remember the exact reference, but it talk it talks about. In Acts, it talks about, uh, I think it's Act 3.17. It says, you know, um, that, you know, that God commanded, um, that God wants us to repent. God is long-suffering, but He wants us to repent. Praise God. If you read Second um, Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. It comes like a thief in the night. Praise God. If you know, you're wondering whether to step on the other side and check out what's going on. Praise God, that's a, not a good thing to do. It's not a, uh, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a very um, dangerous thing to do because, you know, it's going to be that day when everything is just normal. You're just living a normal life. People going to work. You're wondering, you know, you're putting off that, um, um, putting off, you know, giving your life to Christ and, and, and surrendering your, yourself to Him. And, and you know, it's going to be just a normal day. You know, most people that get robbed, they're not really aware when the thief comes in the night. People are sleeping and just having a nice dream. And you've just gone off to whatever land. But that's how it's going to happen. We're going to be just living a normal life, but the Bible lets us know that we have to stay in the church. We just have to stay and hold on to what God, where God has placed us. Praise God. And in conclusion, if we can stand. So... Today, if we have been born again of water and of the Spirit, and perhaps we have truly forgotten who we truly are, and uh, if we can get a musician, please, thank you. And um, if we uh, we truly forget who we we are and which bus we're in, I invite you to come to this altar and to talk to the one that made a way for you to get into this bus called the church. We may be struggling and going through some things that I cannot even comprehend. But I, but you know, um, and you may feel like, you know, 
Sometimes the ride gets a bit bumpy. You know, it may feel like sometimes the ride gets a bit rough. But just hold on because the driver is really good. Amen. He's really good. Praise God. He has no any, he doesn't have any crash records. He doesn't have an account with RAC or anyone. Praise God. He's a good driver. Praise God. Praise God. See, I've come to remind you that God is working on His church. She's becoming more and more beautiful day by day. So hold on and just wait. The Bible says in Luke 21 verse 19, In your patience possess ye your souls. In your patience possess ye your souls. If you just hold on to God and trust Him and believe that He will provide for you in your times of need. Praise God. In the end, your souls will be secured and your salvation will be secured. Praise God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise God for anyone that wants to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I invite you to come and pray at the altar. We will pray with you. God is here and He's ready to change your life. When you experience His power, you will never be the same again. Every person in the Bible that encountered Jesus, depending on the state of their hearts, they either walked away having received something or walked away sorrowful because they were not ready to be changed. But come expecting for God to change your life because today can be that day that you've always been waiting for. If you are contemplating on whether to stay in the church or go back in the world, if you have not yet been born again of water and of the Spirit and just checking it out, praise God. I've come to tell you today that today is the day of salvation. And the scripture says that no man knows the hour or when the time that the Son of Man shall come. Praise God, like it was in the days of Noah. Praise God, they were doing all sorts of things. But one of these days, both buses will, will arrive. Each bus will reach its final destination. And I can tell you today that God's desire is for all men to be saved. Praise God. It's for all men to be saved. So let's lift up our hands and worship Him.